kids credit for this trip. But, uh, of course, they got uh, self-righteous and sanctimonious with us. You know, I was just kidding. But, anyways, it was really a good trip, an exhausting trip. Um, by uh, Friday night on the way home, we were twitching, four children piled in the van for five days, lots of driving, lots of irritating each other. We, uh, we picnicked the whole time. I, I took three ice chests. Uh, I think we only ate two meals out the whole time, picnicked the whole time. We had a great associational meeting, wonderful time of fellowship and encouragement, great preaching, great workshops in the afternoon on Wednesday afternoon, and uh, got to see the Morgan family one more time. Uh, they are headed out in about 16 days to Romania. So it was a little bit emotional for them seeing uh, a lot of their California friends saying goodbye, their kids saying goodbye to family members, because they're not really sure when they're going to come back. A lot of foreign missionaries have to come home about every year or two years because of the visa process, but Romania and America have a great relationship, so they don't have to leave the country for the visa process, so they could be gone four, six, seven years, and so uh, we have decided that uh, Connor is going to marry their daughter, Taylor, and um, so they said, you're just going to have to come to Romania to make sure that happens. Bring Connor every summer to make sure that happens. She's shy around boys, so don't worry. We'll keep her shy. We'll save her for Connor. <clears throat> I haven't really asked Connor what he thinks about this, or we haven't asked Taylor what she thinks about this. They're 14. We'll have it all buttoned up by the time they're 18. Is that how this works, parents? Oh. Okay. Uh, it worked in the Bible times. We've gotten so far from Jesus. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, as we journey through this uh, study on spiritual warfare and the realization that Satan is always on the attack for you and me, he wants to mess you up, he wants to derail you, he wants to discourage you, he wants to distract you, anything he can do to stop your spiritual growth. And the spiritual journey is a lot like a physical health journey. There's no such thing as plateaus. You may think you're not going backwards and not growing and just plateauing, but there's no such thing. In the physical realm and in the spiritual realm, we're talking about physical health or spiritual health. You are either growing or you are declining. If you read about our astronauts and muscle atrophy, and the struggles that they go through, the physical therapy and exercises they have to go through when they come home, because when they're in zero gravity, they're not using their muscles. They do not maintain their muscle mass from when they leave the Earth's atmosphere to when they come home, because they're not using it. You, use, you don't use it, you lose it, and that is the truth for spiritual growth and for physical growth. And so we need to understand that uh, while you may think you're doing okay because you're not under attack, you're not necessarily caught up in any sinful behaviors. You're not necessarily caught up in any destructive patterns, but you're not really growing. You just, well, I'm okay right now. Satan's not messing with me. Uh, I, I'm doing okay. The truth is, is your spiritual muscles are atrophied if you are not growing. And so what happens is Satan can lull you into a place of apathy where you're not worried about it. It's okay. You're not too concerned about your spiritual growth. And that's a good place 
for Satan with you if he can get you into that place. Because you're not too concerned about your growth. You're not too concerned about sin. You're not too concerned about sharing the gospel with other people or helping other Christians along with their walk with Christ. That's actually a great place as far as Satan's concerned for every one of us because he doesn't have to mess with us. We're just good, religious, moralistic folk. And he doesn't have to worry about us. Or Satan will come at us and attack us and try to derail us and just really mess with us with temptations and discouragement. Um, have you ever fallen prey to Satan's lies and attacks? I know I have many times. Sometimes I've fallen, to, uh, fallen into the lie of apathy. And truthfully, apathy is just a rut. And a rut is just a grave with the ends kicked out of it. You just, you still underground, you just, you're worthless. And I've been there spiritually many times in my life. Um, I have fallen prey to Satan's fiery darts, as we're going to talk about in the passage of Scripture, where he has come at me with hot temptation, and I've been spiritually weak, and my, my strength is uh, worn out and I just give in and a lot of times I'll as I'm giving in I know I'm doing what's wrong but I at, at that point I've just you know what I just I don't I don't care anymore and maybe you've found yourself in those places in your life maybe maybe in your life you found yourself in a place where you're apathetic and in a spiritual rut and uh, as long as everything's comfortable then you're fine and just go to church and uh, pretend that everything's okay, uh, maybe read a couple scriptures here and there to kind of soothe your conscience in an apathetic rut, or maybe, maybe you found yourself at different times in life under that full frontal attack from Satan where he just comes at you with everything that he has and you're always fighting and, and then you get tired and you just say, I give in, I'm just going to do this so Satan will leave me alone. And a lot of times maybe when we give in, that's not our attitude or our statement, but that's what the outcome is well i'm just i'm too tired of fighting and and we lay down our armor and we give in to whatever it might be and and the the attacks of satan take on all kinds of forms it's not just one form of attack and so uh, we think uh, maybe we think that temptation is his only form of attack temptation to sin to give in to moral issues maybe and uh, we think that's the only way he attacks, but he attacks in multiple ways. He attacks through all of our senses. Do you realize that? In recent years, thankfully, good Christian doctors have given in to good medical studies and understood the connection of the emotional, chemical makeup of our bodies and the spiritual. For many years, you would hear good Christian leaders, whether it's a well-meaning pastor giving counsel or a Christian doctor refusing to give medications for things like anxiety or depression, and we would give advice like, if you would just pray more, you could overcome this. If you would exercise more, you could overcome this. If you would read your Bible more, you would overcome this. And we would hear for a long time in Christian culture a negative connotation on addressing the emotional and chemical side of our bodies. So much so, uh, I've heard people, good Christians say, no Christian should ever be taking antidepressants. If they're taking antidepressants, their walk with God is messed up. And so I say to that individual, take off your glasses and drive home. Don't take your insulin. That's the same logic. 
You could tell a diabetic, well, if you were right with God, you wouldn't have diabetes. Somebody want to tell B.J. Miller that he ain't right with God? That boy ain't ever had a piece of sugar in his entire life, and he's developed diabetes. Right? And so we've developed this mentality. Uh, thankfully, uh, recent times, it's starting to change, and more understanding that uh, the connection of the emotional, chemical makeup of our bodies is so connected to our spiritual growth. When one is weak, the other one suffers. In fact, uh, our aunt uh, is a director, I don't, I'm not sure of her uh, exact title, but of a medical group that has um, clinics and ERs. And she was telling me recently in the last year or so when I was talking to her how they have understood the value of having multiple practices under one roof. So you come into the clinic and they have seen how many physical, medical problems are connected to emotional and psychological problems. And so now under their roof, they have multiple branches of the medical field, including psychological and counseling care and grief care and emotional care with the medical care. And thankfully, it's finally gotten into the Christian umbrella that we're trying, we're starting to get the grip that uh, one of the great ways that Satan does work against us is through our emotions and through our chemical imbalances and our chemical makeup. And so we struggle sometimes with that mentality that there's something wrong with me if I have to take a medicine for anxiety or depression. There's something wrong with my walk with Christ. Well, if that's the case, then there's something wrong with my walk with Christ since I was six years old because I've been wearing glasses since I was six years old. Did I use two hands when I took them off, Tracy? I didn't pay attention. I think I did that time. Um, uh, my friend Kirk passed away last week, and he developed diabetes. I, I'm not sure the difference between type 1 and type 2. One is one you get when you're a kid, and one you, is the one you develop later in life. And when he was young, 10 or 12 years old, he, he was diagnosed with diabetes. He's been on an insulin pump for most of his life, and it caused, uh, as any of you that struggle with diabetes, you know the extra collateral damage that diabetes can cause, especially from childhood. And you know, Kirk was having heart attacks as a teenager, and so when he passed away last Saturday, it was almost like a relief. When we prayed around his bed, uh, as his mom was flying in, I, uh, we prayed around his bed, and I just prayed God relieve him from this broken body. And uh, it wasn't because of Kirk's parents' walk with Christ that somehow maybe they sinned, so he got diabetes when he was a kid. It wasn't that Kirk was a, a weak Christian, so God inflicted him. No, that's just... We live in a sinful creation because Adam and Eve sinned. So death did not happen until Adam and Eve sinned. And so once Adam and Eve sinned, now we are all living in a sinful culture and we all face death, we all face sickness because of sin. And that doesn't mean because my sin and your sin, but because of the original sin. And now we lived in a cursed world. And Satan will use those things against us, our physical weaknesses, our emotional weaknesses, all of the different ways that Satan will come at us. It's not just, here, watch this movie. It's not just uh, say this word. It's not just step outside of your marriage and do this. It's not just go ahead and cheat at work. It's not just moral issues. Satan will come at us on all fronts. And I, if we can get that into our understanding as we face Satan and learn about his wiles, that's the word that the King James used, the wiles of the devil, wily coyote, 
always using different tactics, trying to take out the Roadrunner. And the Roadrunner just keeps on going, never quits, does he? And that's how God desires for us. He knows that Satan will continue to come at us, but God has given us everything we need to stand against the wiles of the devil. So we get back into our passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. Just a reminder, let's go ahead and kick off in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You have a battle with a human being that is not, that is not a flesh and blood battle. The, the battles in your home that you are facing with your spouse or with your children or with the family members, the conflict that we face, sometimes interpersonal conflict in our church, it is not flesh and blood. I don't have a problem with you. You don't have a problem with me. Satan is using us against each other. It is spiritual warfare. We need to look beyond the person that we're fussing with and realize what is behind it. Maybe it is because of our sin that we're in this conflict. Well, that's spiritual warfare. We need to understand. We don't attack the person, we attack the problem, right? Because the person is not the enemy. Satan is using us in our circumstances many times against each other. So husband and wife, stop attacking each other. You, we have developed some bywords, as you know, as we've struggled in this last six months. We, uh, we found a, a ministry called Re-Engage. Some of you know of Celebrate Recovery. It's a Christian recovery ministry for addictions well watermark church up on the north side of dallas developed a marriage um, study and ministry similar formatted called re-engage and so we have learned some clinical ways to communicate with each other to the point where it's so healthy that we kind of joke about it so we've learned that instead of attacking each other for you did this to me why did you do that and, and assuming each other's motive, we have learned to communicate in such a way, say, now earlier when, when you said this, this is what I understood and this is how it made me feel. That completely takes the ammunition out of the gun. We're not attacking each other, right? We're starting to understand each other. So now we joke about it. One of us will cook dinner. How was dinner? It was all right. You know, earlier when, you, when I asked you how, how was dinner, you said it was all right, and, how, you know, that made me feel less than, you know. We, we kind of joke about it. Well, in, in, our, in the same realm as us Christian warfare, understanding we're in spiritual warfare, we can begin to understand, okay, I am angry at what Satan just did through you. I'm not angry at you, but I'm angry at what Satan just did to me through your behaviors. We can, we can lightheartedly now even joke about it because we understand that uh, husband and wife, wife is not the enemy, husband is not the enemy, Satan is the enemy, and he's using little situations, turning them into situations. A uh, church member thinks the pastor preaches too long. The pastor's not the problem. Satan's the problem. You know, you, your short attention span is not the problem. Satan is the problem. Amen? Watching, watching you know, cable news with three-minute segments all day long has shortened your atten attention span. You need to turn off the TV and read some Louis L'Amour or some, uh, you know, Harry Potter or something like that. Expand your attention span. Anyways, so understanding, understanding the source and how to communicate with each other when we have these conflicts. We're not wrestling against 
flesh and blood. We're wrestling against spiritual battles, uh, demonic forces that are coming at us. So in verse 13 it says, we can't fight a spiritual battle with physical means. Here's where we fail so many times as Christians in this spiritual warfare. We're, we, we face a spiritual attack and we respond in physical means. So when we respond in the flesh to a spiritual attack, all of a sudden Satan has already got the upper hand. Okay? And so in verse 13 it says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be with a, able to withstand in the evil day. What's the evil day? Whenever Satan's attacking you. Whenever you're in turmoil and Satan's coming at you. And then having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. And then we go through our pieces of the armor of God or the Christian's armor. Having fastened on the belt of truth. We talked about how the belt of truth kind of holds everything together. It gives us a boundary of thinking, a process of thinking and what is right and what is wrong. Having then put on the breastplate of righteousness. Protect your heart. Guard your heart, for out of it flows all the issues of life. Verse 15, shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, allowing the gospel of Christ to continue to refine you and reform you and shape you for his work and be ready for spiritual battle because you are exercising your faith. And here we go for today's peace in verse 16. In all circumstances, take up. Everybody say those two words with me. Take up. Say it again. I can't hear you. Take up. If I was a black preacher, I'd expect you to shout it. Come on, one more time. Take up. All right, here we go. Take up the shield of faith with which you can, what's that word? Extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I want to leave that scripture on the screen. All right, Connor, because we're going to focus on that. I am going to mention a few others. So we, we, we've already talked about the fact that you and I face spiritual attacks from Satan. You and I face um, spiritual warfare from Satan. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. When we function and respond in the flesh, we lose. When we respond in the spirit and understand where the source of the problem is, then we win, right? And um, so I, I think often of the movie The Blind Side, and it's a true story, uh, we just drove through Memphis. I didn't drive through their side of Memphis. I don't know what side of Memphis the Tuies live on, but I didn't see that side of Memphis. Whew. Val's sister told us not to spend the night in Memphis. So I booked a room. It was the perfect spot on our trip. I booked a room at a reputable hotel chain that you would expect to be. It was bad, real bad. But uh, the Tuies, if you don't know the story, uh, they, they, they run a chain of fast food restaurants. They're successful people, and they came across a young man who uh, was raised by a drug-addicted, alcohol-addicted individual, had multiple children, had multiple siblings from multiple dads, didn't know who his real dad was. And they took him into their home, and um, of course in Memphis, the dirty south, the whole dynamic of a rich white family taking in a poor black man uh, caused a lot of social conflict, but um, when they realized how strong he was and how big he was and maybe that he would like football, they introduced him to football, and you probably know the story. If you don't, you should watch The Blind Side. Uh, it would really encourage you. But they were trying to get him to understand um, the importance of strength as a lineman and the importance of his job 
And when they did personality testing on him, they realized that he tested really high for, like, protecting his family. He, he's loyal to his family, people that he considered family. And obviously the Tuis, he considered their family because they took him into their home. And so Mama Tui went out onto the practice field. And I'm not sure how it happened in real life, but in the movie, this is how it happened. She walked out there and told him he, he was afraid to be aggressive because he was just this gentle giant, this tender-hearted guy. And uh, so she pointed to all of his people on his side of the line, all of his fellow players and the quarterback behind him and said, this is your family. They are not your family. They are trying to kill your family. They're trying to hurt your family. And that's where the practice film came up of him pushing that defensive lineman all the way 40 yards through the end zone and into the stands and said he needed to go home. And that's what got him drafted into uh, college football. Um, they helped him understand, they, they helped translate the battle into a way that he would understand it so he would know how to respond. And so that's, that's my desire and my goal, and that's what God is trying to do for us as we study this armor of God. Translate it into a way that we get it. So I'm trying to come at it from 50 different angles every week as we different, deal with a different uh, piece of the armor so that no matter how, what language you speak, what understanding you have, what illustration speaks to you, so at some point it'll click for you to understand that this spiritual warfare is constant, this spiritual warfare is relentless, our enemy is relentless, he will use the most damaging means to discourage you. So the closer the situation and the closer the person, the more he can damage, right? The wounds of family turmoil are deep. The wounds of close friends and when there's trauma and, and battles with close friends, those are deep and long-lasting. Children who struggle with uh, who, who, who are raised in an unstable home struggle with identity and, and security and safety issues for really their entire life as they grow in Christ because there's, there's something missing there. And I, I really want to help you understand that no matter where you come from, what you're doing, where you are in your walk with Christ, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith because Satan is coming at you and wants to destroy you. And so when you face an attack, the person that attacked you is not your enemy. When you face an attack, the circumstance that is causing you heartache is not your enemy. It is the test. Okay? And so in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. First of all, what is the shield of faith? Um, this obviously is a reference to an actual piece of armor that a soldier would use in that time. And it would be large. It would be strong. It would either be some type of heavy steel, uh, maybe for the front line of uh, the infantry, or it would be reinforced leather with some kind of treated oil on it because the fiery darts, the flaming darts, is an actual weapon in that time of warfare. So not just firing a bow and arrow at, at you, but lighting it on fire with kerosene or something and and shooting it at you so that when it does, if it, if it hits your, uh, some of your artillery that's made out of wood at that time, it'll catch it on fire and, and weaken your artillery and distract you long enough because you're trying to put out the fire. 
that they could keep firing more at you, or if it catches into you, if, if it pierces through your armor and gets you, not only is it going to cause a surface wound uh, uh, from the sharp arrow, but it's also going to cause burns and wounds. And I don't know about you, I have burned a finger ironing and cooking a little part of my finger. I was a really brilliant. I bought a fire pit uh, that first summer we lived here, and it's got those lids with the little handle on it. I was brilliant one day. I had me a little fire. It was nice. I like fire. It was controlled fire. It was safe, more than 15 feet from the structures, you know. I was following all the rules. And I was on the phone with my friend. I was bragging about my fire and how relaxing it was on my morning off, you know, Monday morning. And I reached down to pick up the lid like this. And I got immediately got two nice bruises. And, you know, it takes a while for the senses to get from here to the brain. And in that three or four seconds, you have done some damage. Right? I could not bend my fingers for a couple of days. Can you imagine? I mean, I couldn't function. It hurt to take a shower. Oh, don't you worry. I took a shower. It, it hurt to eat, and don't you worry. I ate. It hurt to do everything. Just two little wounds in those creases right there, two little burns in those creases. You imagine being out on the battlefield and then getting a, a flesh wound, getting pierced through with an arrow or burned by the fiery darts. It's going to cause you some damage. And so this shield of faith is going to be something that's large enough to where you don't have to make huge adjustments to protect yourself from those darts coming at you. The problem is, is I want you to imagine a thousand-member army where two or three rows of soldiers are in a tandem. The first row fires darts, and then about the time you've gotten to adjust and protect yourself from those, the second row fires darts, and the third row fires darts, and the fourth, it's just relentless, fiery darts coming at you, and that's how Satan works. And so we are told to take up the shield of faith. So what is this shield of faith. The shield of faith is our exercising of our faith, our working out of our faith so that we are prepared when the attacks come and we are so inundated and soaked in with the Word of God that we know how to respond with the Word of God when the attacks come because every attack of Satan is some sort of lie. Every situation that you're facing that is spiritual warfare is some sort of lie from Satan. Look at the original sin in the Garden of Eden. He took the truth, twisted it just a little bit. And so no matter what it is, whether it's an onslaught of just, uh, of just a barrage of temptation saying, it's okay, you can go ahead and do this, it's not going to hurt you. Or maybe it's some attack through your emotions. I mean, how many times have we believed the lies of Satan in our emotions and in our depression and in our anxiety, the things that we believe from Satan? You know, we, when we're in those uh, emotional warfares and, and Satan is coming at us spiritually through our emotions, and we, we will believe the most horrific lies about ourselves and about God from Satan in the midst of those attacks. And once he lands one dart, look out. You are weakened, and he is going to unleash on you. So let's just say it's in a temptation of sin, and he convinces you, well, just one time won't hurt. And he lands the dart, and you give in. Maybe you don't feel the burning. Maybe you don't feel the pain of the wound that you have just inflicted on yourself by giving in. Well, then here comes the darts. Well, you did it once, and there was nothing else. No problem. Keep on. Just don't tell anyone you're doing it. 
Or maybe it's in your emotions. Maybe, maybe you struggle with anxiety or depression and Satan will come at you one day and it's just, you know, there's no reason for it. There's no explanation for it. How many, how many times have you had a bout of anxiety or depression and it made sense? Like how many times have you had an, uh, a bout of anxiety and depression and you're like, oh, I can see why I'm depressed today. Never. It never makes sense. It never makes sense. And so, like, if you're the spouse of somebody who struggles with anxiety, a lot of times you're going, I don't get it. Why are you depressed? Our life is awesome. What are you talking about? Because you don't understand depression. Depression is a chemical imbalance. And so I, I remember sitting with uh, someone that I love in a doctor's office the first time having, a, having a, a doctor's appointment over this issue of depression, and he said, look out the windows. What do you see today? And what I saw was a beautiful, rarely clear day for the part of the country we were living in at the time. I mean, it was nice. This person who's struggling with depression was like, well, I noticed those really annoying birds when we came in the office. I was kind of worried about them pooping on my car. It, uh, it seems a little gloomy today. And I was like, gloomy? Because what anxiety and depression does to you, it changes your reality. It changes the lenses that you look through. And Satan will take that and he'll say, you know, you really messed up. You're really not worth it. You're really a burden for your family. You're less than because you have this problem. And once he lands one dart and we accept the lie, he will come at us with a barrage. And I've watched people go through panic attacks because Satan was able to land one dart and then here comes the rest of them. So how do we fight against this with the shield of faith, whether it's in our, 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 our working with people and living life and we face spiritual battles, whether it's in our finances, our health, our, our mental and emotional health, all of the things that affect us that Satan will try to use against us. How to take up the shield of faith? Well, I, the reason I had you shout out those two words is because it's an intentional it's an intentional action that you and i must take every day jesus used those same two words when he was referring to our commitment to him he says take up your cross and follow me and so to take up the shield of faith it's as simple as this daily bible study daily prayer that's the foundation of taking up the shield. It is much more complicated than that. But the basics is this. Take up the shield of faith. Daily Bible study, daily prayer. Because Satan is coming at you with lies through your emotions, through media that you take in, through the message of the world, through the friends that aren't believers or have a twisted view of Scripture. Satan is constantly flooding you with lies about what is right and about what is wrong. And the only way to combat that is to have yourself filled with the Word of God. Soak up the Word like a sponge till it's dripping off of you so that you are overflowing. And like Jesus being tempted in the wilderness when Satan says, well, if you'll just bow down and worship me. And Jesus responded, every temptation, what did he say? It is written. It is written. Just as Jesus responded to temptation, took up the shield of faith, you and I also every day have to start our day soaking in the word of God. In Psalm 1830, it says, This God, his way is perfect. 
The word of the Lord proves true, and he is a shield for those who take refuge in him. How do you take refuge in God? You soak in his word, spending time alone with him every day so that your day is grounded on truth, so that your mind is begun by soaking in the truth. And even if you're the kind of person who takes a few hours to really wake up, you can't really read and and soak in early in the morning, you can still start your day with scripture reading. What's the difference between reading scripture and studying scripture? A notebook and a pen. Reading scripture, you just open the Bible and read. What makes it Bible study is having a notebook and a pen. Or your notepad on your phone or your iPad or whatever it is you use. Taking notes of what God is teaching you at that moment as you read those scriptures and as he is speaking to you in your circumstance and in your situation... God will give you exactly what you need for every day. Maybe you need to have some post-it notes or some three-by-five cards as you're going through some stuff, and you need to write down some truths from God's Word to remind yourself throughout the day. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6 says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do not add to His words, lest He rebuke you and you be found a liar. What does that mean, do not add to His words? Don't believe the lies of Satan. God's word says, yeah, but Satan says. Well, God's word says, yeah, but the world says. God's word says, yeah, but I feel. The word says, let God be true and every man a liar. If the word of God says it, it's true. Whether you feel it or not. Whether the world agrees with it or not. Whether Satan has convinced you of something else or not, the word of God is true. This is how you take up your shield of faith. You arm yourself every day with the word of God so that you can be strengthened against the lies of Satan and the attacks of Satan. And you can be aware of how he works. You want to know how Satan works? Read the Old Testament. Read the Old Testament. You see a great work of God from the beginning of time all the way into the New Testament time and how he has worked with his people, but you also see how Satan uses people. We read the testimony of the children of Israel after they were rescued from Egypt. The Exodus. God had just rescued them miraculously through the Passover, and then they get to the Red Sea, and we read that and go, what about your babies? Didn't they see all the miraculous plagues that God did? Didn't they see how he miraculously saved them? And they weren't even, they were up in Hebron, that little corner. They were not even affected by the plagues. But we are the exact same people. Because Satan knows how to use us as human beings. And he knows how to uh, get us to believe the lies and have us go astray. So as we take up the word of God and soak in daily and arm ourselves, we are taking up intentionally the shield of faith. 1 John 5, 4 says, Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. This is not a system of belief. We talk about um, doctrines of the faith. That's not what this shield of faith is. This shield of faith is our growth in faith, our growth in Christ, that, that understanding and growth that we have as we walk in Christ, our trust in Him, our belief in Him, our obedience to him. Taking up the shield of faith is a matter of arming ourselves with the word of God, surrendering ourselves to the will of God, and trusting God no matter what circumstances come, that he is true, 
and Satan is a liar, and no matter what circumstance comes in front of you and you're at the Red Sea and you think, well, God, I guess you can't come through this time, and you give in to Satan, no. Taking up the shield of faith means that no matter what circumstance comes in front of you, God's word says, so I'm going to believe, and as Charles Stanley's grandfather told him, obey God, leave all the consequences to him. If God says, run your head through that brick wall, you run with full force knowing one of two things. He's either going to make a way through the wall, or he's going to do something great through your head crushing into that wall. One of the two. Obey God, leave all the consequences to him. So as we take up the shield of arming ourselves with the word of God and with daily prayer. It cannot be overstated the importance of personal prayer time, deep intercessions and supplications. Not just, Lord, help me to have a good day. Lord, help that kid to behave in my class. Lord, help all the technology issues. Today. I just really want to have an easy day. Lord, Give me that extra sale so I get that bonus. Lord, don't let that gas pipe explode in the field that I'm overseeing. Uh, Lord, don't let that student break his foot on the football field. Whatever. That's not supplication and intercession. The depth of prayer is sitting before God in his presence, taking time to listen to him and allow his spirit to refresh you and to fill you and to prepare you for the day. And then respond to him in prayer as he leads you. God, be my strength today. Be my armor today. Give me the words of the gospel as opportunities are given. And I, he will give opportunities, by the way. We just ignore them. Give me the opportunity to overcome temptation. Give me the strength to overcome. Give me uh, the, the boldness that I need to believe what your word says. Daily Bible study and daily prayer are the strength of the child of God. If I were to eat physical food as properly and timely as I eat spiritual food, how healthy would I be? Ask yourself that question. If I ate the types of and timing of physical meals the same way that I consume the Word of God. What would my physical health be? If you skipped meals, ate junk, we say, well, how do you eat junk when it comes from the Word of God? Everybody goes to John eleven thirty five 35 or Psalm 23. Look, I read the scriptures today. Now, those are truths, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm not minimizing the Word of God. But junk is the way you approach the reading the word of God. Well, let me find a short chapter because I, I don't have a lot of time today. Yeah, that's the Taco Bell drive through right? So if I were to eat physically the way that I eat spiritually, what would my physical health be like? That's a good indicator for you. If I were to pray as intensely as I plan for my life and the issues of my life how would my prayer life be a lot of us think through life a lot we think through the circumstances that we're going through we make plans we make goals and those are all healthy things but if i were to pray more than i plan and i scheme physically and mentally my prayer life would be 
much stronger and much healthier. Regular fellowship, taking up the shield of faith. Regular fellowship. I can be a Christian and not go to church. Yes, you can. Not really. Because Christian means Christ-like. You can be a child of God, born again, saved, going to heaven and not go to church. But to be a growing Christian, you have to get around God's people. Yes, there are hypocrites in the church, but that didn't stop you from going to Taco Bell. You're waiting in line with people that went to gym this morning, and yet they're at Taco Bell, those hypocrites. Doesn't stop you from going to the social clubs that you like. There's a bunch of people pretending that they got more and be more than what they actually have and what they actually are. How come it's only God's house that we can excuse ourselves and say, well, there's a bunch of hypocrites? There might be. I don't see it that way. I see a bunch of folks who know they got no hope without Jesus. I see a bunch of people who know that I'm messed up, you're messed up. Sometimes I get more irritated at your mess ups than my own, but we're all just messed up. And we need Jesus. And the more irritated I get with your mess ups is more evidence that I need more Jesus because I don't have enough compassion and mercy. And so I keep on going. I need regular fellowship. And yes, this is a curse word for some of you because you're not practicing it. I need regular accountability. What Christian in your life has the real estate? To show up and say, how's your Bible study? How's your areas of weakness that you've identified? I mean, have, do you have anyone in your life who you've said, hey, these are some sins and areas of weaknesses in my life. I need you to keep me accountable. Would you do that for me? If you're not doing that, you are not fully taking up the shield of faith. If you're just coming to church, being here at church is important. But you need regular accountability. Somebody who has the equity and knows you well enough to know when you're lying. To say, how's this? You, you identified this as a problem in your life. How is this? Not for judgment, not for condemnation, but for healthy accountability. I mean, I don't like accountability. I did not like a few weeks ago on Sunday night. Or Friday night, whenever that was, we were at Brandon's pool, and I was standing up in front of him. He was on the lounge chair. I was standing up in front of him, and I saw his eyes go down. He said, you're putting weight back on, aren't you? I didn't feel good about that. I didn't like that. But I've told, he knows my weaknesses, and I've told him, door's wide open for you, buddy. And if you think I'm lying, go ask my wife. So if I lied to you, you'll know. He's like, I don't need to ask your wife. I know if you lied to me. I can look. I can see how them shirts are fitting. It didn't feel good. I didn't go home and say, thank God. I'm failing in that area this week. But I did go home and say, thank God I have a brother who cares enough that he wants me to live past 55. Thank God I have a brother who cares enough that I don't become just another preacher who makes jokes about fried chicken and diabetes. Thank God that I have a brother who cares enough that understands my how close my physical uh, being is to my spiritual testimony. How many of you have someone in your life where you can say, I need you in my life, I need you to ask me about this. 
I, I need you to, let's read scripture together and I need you to ask me questions about the scripture to be sure I read it today. You need daily Bible study. You need daily prayer. You need regular fellowship with God's people and you need regular accountability to be taking up the shield of faith because we can lie to ourselves about how good we are and how okay we are and Satan will find that little crack of a lie and come in like a flood. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith so that you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I want to ask you to bow your heads a little longer than it's been recently, but I had a lot to say, and I really want to challenge you to listen to the Word of God this morning. If God's Word spoke to your heart, and you, you really need some encouragement from the Lord today or some help from the Lord today, I want to encourage you. Let's take this time to respond to the Lord in prayer. Maybe you want to come to the altar and bring bring those things to the altar and say, God, you know this stuff in my life. I'm not telling you something that you don't already know. And Make an agreement with God about your sin, your stuff, your weaknesses, those struggles. Maybe where you're sitting right there, you want to pray with a prayer partner or spouse or Christian friend. Whatever God has spoken to you today, man, he, he might be speaking.